welcome to the X-Men Unraveled podcast. I'm Noelle, and this is a podcast following the X-Men stories in chronological order. I've been following the adventures of Wolverine during World War II, and today I've got a few more to cover. Last time we left him, he'd just gotten his ass beat by Captain America, and then shot by Bucky Barnes in the desert of Tunisia. Everyone's favorite mutant definitely needs some redemption after his betrayal of Captain America and the siding with the literal Nazi Baron von Strucker last episode. So today we'll finish up his years during World War II with a few stories from Paris, California, and Japan. I'm going to start with a story from 1940. Later in his life, Logan is sitting at a bar with none other than the Greek demigod Hercules. I said at the very beginning of this podcast that I would be learning as I go, and I learned that Hercules makes many appearances in Marvel Comics. Um, I didn't know that before I read for this episode, but it turns out that Logan and Hercules have been on quite a few adventures together over time, and they're spending a day together drinking and reminiscing in Wolverine, Hercules, Myths, Monsters, and Mutants number one from 2010. They're talking about a time in early 1940 before France fell to the Nazis, and they realized that they were in the city at the same time. What happened was Baron von Strucker, the Nazi we just can't get rid of, attacked Paris in a giant robot. Kind of like a janky version of the Jaeger armored robots from Pacific Rim, if you saw that movie. So Strucker, in his giant robot, is controlling it and indiscriminately attacking the city to weaken its defenses before the Nazis launched their full invasion force. Hercules, being a super powerful demigod, is able to take out Strucker's robot in a huge fight in the streets. What Herc didn't realize at the time, though, was that Logan was using his brawl with Strucker as a distraction for his own mission. He was sent to assassinate another Nazi official who was in Paris at the time. We don't get his name, but who cares because he's a Nazi. Uh, but he's watching Strucker's attack from the balcony of his hotel. While he's captivated by the robot, Logan sneaks into the room and easily takes him out. We also learn that Hercules was ordered by his father, Zeus, not to interfere in the war. He said that humans needed to find their own way through it and learn the lessons they needed to learn. Probably things like fascism and genocide are bad. Don't feel like that's necessarily sunk in everywhere yet. But Hercules is a fighter, and he couldn't sit on the sidelines, so he disguised himself as Namor, another famous Marvel hero. And through all of the years up until Herc and Logan have their little chat, Logan thought it was Namor that provided the distraction. I could give a little info on Namor here, but I'm going to leave it as a little teaser because sometime in the not-too-distant future, I'll be doing a full episode about him. So there you have it. Logan and Hercules are good friends and fought Nazis together, even if they didn't realize it at the time. This next story takes place in the Sobibor Killing Center in Poland. I really debated about covering this story. Um, I feel like it's sort of pointless and doesn't treat the history with much respect. But it's told as part of Logan's life, and I'm just going to add the correct history information, um, so I decided to cover it after all. So, like I said, the comic takes place at the Sobibor Killing Center in Poland, and the writers of Wolverine number 32 say that this camp was poorly run, escapes were common, and, quote, 
extermination rates were extremely low, end quote. None of that was actually true. It was a pretty terrible place. Sobibor was built in 1942 in order to murder Jews in Nazi-occupied territory. It was a killing camp, so it wasn't a concentration camp. People weren't there to work. They were only taken there to be killed. It was located and named after the town of Sobibor on the eastern edge of Poland. The camp was broken into three sections. There was an administrative area where the Nazi staff lived and worked, the reception area where Jews arrived on transport trains, and the third section contained the gas chambers and burial pits. Just like at Auschwitz, some Jewish prisoners were forced to work as Zonderkommandos, stripping bodies of valuables and burying or burning bodies until they themselves were sent to be killed. If you've heard the Magneto episode, that's the job that young Max Eisenhart was forced to do. About 167,000 people were killed at Sobibor in a year and a half. So probably not so lax and easy to get away from as the comic presents. That part really pissed me off. They were not uh, respectful of the history. But anyway, Logan has ended up at Sobibor. The previous camp commandant had just died, and the new one arrives and sees Logan watching him. The Nazi gets pissed and has Logan shot in the head as an example to the other prisoners. The comic also makes the mistake of presenting Sobibor as a work camp, but again, it was just a killing center. By that night, the commandant is in his quarters and he hears a whistling outside. He looks, and it's Logan. Again, he orders him to be executed, but at night, he still hears the whistling. Then, one day, not too much later, he sees Logan working among the other prisoners. The other Nazis think the commandant is losing his mind, and he keeps searching Logan out and having him killed, over and over. Finally, the commandant has Logan brought to his quarters and tied to a chair. He's furious that Logan is just driving him insane, and he attacks him with a broken wine bottle. He tells Logan that he knows he's one of those special people or freaks with abilities. Logan just lets him talk and sits there and lets him attack him, but then he finally breaks free and sets a fire that kills the commandant. The story ends with a new commandant being driven to the camp to take the place of the last one. It's a good story about getting vengeance on some terrible people, but apparently Logan is just ignoring the hundreds or thousands of people dying every day around him. I don't know. I just thought this one was weird. Um, there was an actual prisoner revolt at Sobibor in 1943, and about 50 prisoners managed to escape and survive. And personally, I feel like that would have made a much better backdrop for Logan's story than this. But this is what we got. By 1943, Logan is back in the United States working for the U.S. military. I don't know how exactly, since he's Canadian and part of the Canadian Armed Services, but we'll just have to let that go. He's assigned to the Thule Lake internment camp. If you're not familiar with that name, it's part of a pretty dark part of U.S. history, being one of the camps where Japanese Americans were incarcerated during World War II. They operated from 1942 to 1945, originally because of the Pearl Harbor attack. President FDR signed Executive Order 9066, sending any Japanese Americans to internment camps. These citizens were under suspicion as being spies or potentially loyal to Japan after the U.S. entered the war and were forced from their homes, lives, and businesses to live in the internment camps. There were 10 camps in various places in the United States, including California, Colorado, Arizona, Utah, and others. In total, about 120,000 people were interned in these camps during the war. 
So Logan is working at the Tule Lake internment camp in California. He can speak Japanese, so the military has him make an offer to some of the prisoners. He tells them that he can improve their situation since they have no rights or chance to escape. But Logan is lying to them. He's actually there to get recruits to escort to an underground lab in the Medicine Lake lava beds. After a few men agree to what they think is an improved situation, Logan leads them to underground lava tubes that extend for miles in complete darkness. Logan only knows his way through um, because he uses his sense of smell. Um, And when they get to the end, they're taken to these labs where there's people in these giant test tubes with scientists and guards all around. The men that he brought there are tortured and put through horrendous experiments, and Logan led them right to it because those were his orders. And then once he delivered the test subjects, he had the job of making sure that no one escaped. If any of them tried to run away, he killed them. Even guards or scientists who decided they didn't want to be part of this and the work was wrong um, and just couldn't do it anymore, he would kill them too. Logan says that after 118 days of torture and experiments, the lab was shut down. Logan didn't know why or ask, but whoever was in charge of the operation decided that no one could know about it. So Logan killed everyone inside to keep the secret. The scientists, guards, and any surviving victims. He killed all of them and then blew up the lab to get rid of any evidence. This story is told as a flashback when Logan goes back to the caves later on for something completely different, and he's ashamed of what he did, as he should be. Um, He lied to the internees and sent them to their deaths. And, you know, Logan is just not making the best choices in these warriors. In 1944, Logan is back in Europe. He's in the Ardennes Forest, which goes from Belgium into France and Germany, And this story is the first section of Wolverine 1000. I almost wasn't able to get a copy of it to read, and I was really upset. Um, But I was able to find a collection of Wolverine stories that included it. So it's winter when the story starts, and Logan is sent to help the Allied troops who are trying to stop the German advance into the area. If you're familiar with military history, this is the action during the Battle of the Bulge. I'm not a big military history fan, so I'm not going to go into the details. (laughs) The soldiers that Logan is working with have never met him before, and they don't trust him, especially because he's not even carrying a gun. They're like, what is this guy going to do? And the troops find themselves outgunned and almost surrounded by the advancing Germans, and they don't know what to do. Logan recommends flanking the German troops and taking out the tanks that they brought. But the rest of the soldiers think he's crazy, and some of the superior officers tell him to shut the fuck up. He doesn't know what he's talking about. But when a tank starts rolling up, Logan dives out of cover and goes straight at it. The rest of the soldiers just watch him and assume that he is crazy and going to get himself killed. He's able to get to the tank and take out the soldiers in it, which gives the rest of his troops a chance to attack the Germans. They win their battle, and the soldiers accept Logan as one of their own. It's a nice little story of Logan playing the war hero, um, definitely different from some of his other wartime endeavors. There's a second story from Wolverine 1000, um, and it takes place on April 25th, 1945. It's called The Last Ride of the Devil's Brigade, and it gets a little weird. So Logan's on this plane, he parachutes out um, as it's shot down over German territory, but as he's in the air, he cuts the cords of his parachute, and he does it so that he can land on a German fighter plane. He breaks out the window, tosses out the pilot, and barely manages to land it safely. 
On the ground, he's able to ambush a German on a motorcycle and steal that from him, and he presses on to the Nazi base that the rest of his troops were supposed to go after with him. But when he gets there, he hears more planes coming. The Allies sent in bombers after the first plane got shot down, and so now Logan has to run away from the bombs. But before he totally escapes, he runs straight into a German tank, and his luck is not as good this time. It fires on him, and he is left in a crater from the explosion, and he's stuck there for a day trying to heal up um, before he can get out. Logan still has to get to another underground bunker that the Germans have in the area, which was his original target. The Nazis have heard about the serum that the Americans used on Captain America, and they're trying to make their own super soldiers. So Logan gets moving. He comes across a woman, like, guarding the entry to the underground base, and he kills her when she attacks him. He's then able to sneak into the bunker and finds a lab filled with all kinds of gross jars with organs in them. And there's a little Nazi meeting going on. One dude is strapped to a table, and Logan sees the lead scientist inject him with something that turns him into a werewolf. I told you it gets weird. Logan goes after the werewolf Nazi to fight him, um, but he's not really able to beat him because the werewolf heals just like Logan does. But Logan is able to find a medal made of silver and stabs the Nazi werewolf with it and kills him because silver kills werewolves. Then Logan goes after the lead scientist to try and kill him, but our old friend Nick Fury from the last episode appears suddenly and mysteriously. He tells Logan that they have to take the scientist alive. First, Logan refuses, saying that his men died to carry out this mission, so no, you're not going to take him. But Fury tells Logan that Captain America is dead, and they need to gather anything that the Nazis have developed in order to fight the coming war with the Soviets. Logan is like, whatever, he leaves. He doesn't believe that Captain America is really dead, but he knows he's not going to be able to stop Fury from doing what he wants to and taking the werewolf serum. I really just thought this was an odd little story, um, but I'm sure if the Nazis could have created werewolf soldiers, they would have done it. The war is still going on, so I've got one more story about Logan before it ends. This story comes from Logan numbers 1 to 2 from 2008. By this time, Logan has made his way back to Japan, still fighting in the war. By now, it's August of 1945, and Logan is now a prisoner in a Japanese POW camp. He was captured while on a mission in Burma, which is Myanmar today, and he's locked in a cell with an American soldier named Ethan Warren. They start talking, and Logan says that he's going to break out. Three guards are on their way to the cell to take the prisoners somewhere else, but Logan attacks them and kills all three. He and Warren then take uniforms and sneak out of the base. They head out into the countryside, trying to get as far away from the camp as possible, but while they're on their way, they come across a Japanese woman by herself. Warren wants to kill her because he thinks that she will turn them in and get them recaptured, but Logan points his gun at Warren's head and says that if he hurts her, Logan will pull the trigger. Warren is furious that Logan would protect this Japanese woman and point a gun at him, and he leaves. Then Logan goes up to the woman, and she thanks him for saving her life. Then she takes Logan back to her house to keep him safe from any soldiers who might be looking for him. She tells him that he can stay there until it's safe to leave the next night. The sun is close to coming up, and he would probably get caught if he kept going. 
If you've listened to any episodes about Logan so far, I expect that you know exactly where this story is going. The woman tells Logan that her name is Atsuko and that she's helping him because she's tired of the war. Her father was killed in the fighting and she's all on her own uh, because her mother had died in a bombing before that. Logan says that he doesn't know how to repay her for her kindness and she proceeds to take off her clothes because what else would one do in that situation? The two of them spend the night sleeping together and falling in love. Logan tells her that he wants her to come with him wherever he ends up going next. And then Logan and Atsuko live happily ever after and we'll never hear about Logan and another girlfriend dying again. I wish. But Atsuko says that this is her home and she wants to spend her whole life there in Hiroshima. The next morning, Ethan Warren breaks into the house and attacks the couple. He shoots Logan in the head, incapacitating him, and then Ethan goes after Atsuko. She has her father's sword, and she's actually a pretty good fighter. For a second, I thought maybe she'd survive. She's able to hold Warren off for a while, but he manages to stab her with a bayonet, and she dies. Just then, Logan regains consciousness, and he starts fighting Warren. He stabs him with Atsuko's sword, but Warren isn't even phased. It turns out that he's a mutant as well, and he can't feel any pain whatsoever, and also seems to recover from his wounds. So they keep fighting, neither of them able to gain the upper hand, but they get distracted when they see a U.S. military plane flying over. Of course, it's not there to save them. It's the Enola Gay, the plane that dropped the atomic bomb on the city of Hiroshima. Logan and Warren are caught up in the blast as everything around them is destroyed. Logan survives, obviously horrifically wounded at first, and walks out of the wreckage. We don't see what happened to Warren until the third issue, um, but he does survive as well. Logan goes back 60 years later, and Warren is still alive, um, now living as a flaming skeleton in the forest. This is way ahead of our chronology, but I'm just going to go ahead and tell you what happened. Logan fights the on-fire skeleton Warren, but Warren actually gets the upper hand and rips out Logan's heart. It's pretty grotesque. And then it gets worse because he eats the heart. Somehow, eating it turns Warren back into a regular, not-on-fire person, and he walks away thinking that Logan couldn't possibly have survived having his heart ripped out of his chest. But, of course, he does, so Logan goes after Warren and finally kills him by beheading him. Another story of Logan getting the woman he loved killed. It's seriously out of control that he has had so many girlfriends die. I have lost count at this point, but let's not forget Atsuko. Moment of silence for her. Even though she was only present in the comics for a very short time. That is it for today, and also the conclusion of the episodes about World War II. We'll see Logan again soon, because he's got some more important stories coming up. But for now, we're going to leave him behind in Hiroshima. And in the next episode, I'll actually be covering the leader of the X-Men, Charles Xavier, telling you all about where he came from, his story up until the 1950s. So as always, thank you so much for listening. Check out the Instagram at X-Men Unraveled for pictures from the comics and announcements for the pod. And if you feel generous and so inclined, head over to your podcast app and leave me a review. I would really appreciate it. I'll be back next time with an intro to Charles Xavier. Mm-hmm.